is Thanksgiving this week. Last week? Recently. Let's take a score with that. Yeah, let's go with recently. And as what frequently happens to me, I caught myself into a situation where I was starting to explain things to people, which is always a bad move. Never explain things, even when people ask. I've gotten really careful about that. That when my spouse is like, oh, well, uh, what, what is this thing? You don't. You don't really want to know, do you? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, maybe. Maybe I'm kind of interested. Stop it. You're just trying to bait me. <laughs> I know what's going on here. Well, you have to figure out why they're asking the question. And if they really want to know, then, you know, you shouldn't explain it. But if they're just being polite or if they just want a surface level explanation, then you, you got to be able to identify that and explain it. I think what it is is that she loves me and she knows that I enjoy explaining things sometimes. <laughs> Just yep. take, takes that hit. Yeah. She's just teeing you up so you can talk mm-hmm. about something that you want to yep. talk about. Yeah. It's like, oh, this will keep him busy for a while. <laughs> <laughs> keep you out of trouble. <laughs> so I was, I brought, I brought one of multiple cameras with me uh, to Thanksgiving because obviously, and one of them was the film camera. I was trying to finish that role of Porta 400 from my last trip. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law was like, why film or something to that effect and And you were like let me point you to four episodes of my podcast (laughs) that you can listen to oh boy this is not this is this shouldn't be a film podcast good thing this isn't the (laughs) pre-show we talked about film too much daniel it's a real problem and i got into the whole concept of explaining dpi (laughs) and film scanning (laughs) to my mother-in-law and it was it was a real problem yeah that, that seems like you got pretty deep there if you're yeah. talking about that. I mean, like, I'm like trying to talking about how I'm trying to decide whether or not I actually want to be the kind of person that shoots on film and how ultimately what it ends up being is like, I shot this roll of film and now I have to develop the roll of film and now I have to get the film into a digital format. And if I want that to be the highest resolution possible, what I realistically need to do is take pictures of the negatives and then train, you know, color invert them. And so what I'm effectively doing is taking a picture, developing it and then taking a picture of the picture to get the picture. Yes. And that's exactly what you're doing. And it does sound ridiculous. (laughs) She thought so as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I I was thinking about it more. And if I go down this road, I have that macro lens. Now I have a two yeah. x two x teleconverter. I can go I can go two x on my macro. That's true. But what one to one macro means is that the physical size of the thing is the size of your sensor, and my sensor is smaller than thirty five millimeter mm. film because I'm not shooting full frame. <laughs> and so I can't actually shoot a picture of the negatives at the highest resolution I can shoot unless I do multiple stacks, which sounds horrible. Yeah, that's funny. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously I, I, what I probably should do is I should get like a, a GFX like 50 camera and get a macro lens for that and then get a 2X for it. That way I can shoot medium format macro like more than 35 millimeter so I can get even more detail. Do you remember how you got to this whole film thing when you were like, I should start shooting film so that I can get a medium format camera and shoot medium format? Oh, shoot. And now (laughs) now you're like, I need to buy a medium format digital camera so that I can support my new film habit. (laughs) This is how it happens. I was thinking, what is the cheapest 
system I could get into, like an old DSLR, but mm-hmm. something that can still tie into an external monitor so I don't have to like try to look into the back of it. And also a macro lens. So I'm like, what's the, what is the cheapest, oldest, but still high resolution like Nikon camera? Cause I'm pretty sure I can get like a Nikon, whatever F mount macro lens for 20 bucks, maybe 30. But would that be like an 850 or a 750? Man, I don't know. I don't know Nikon numbers, but I'm kind of confused about it though because doesn't the dynamic range and color quality and et cetera of that digital camera affect your results? I mean, like to an extent, yes. Like you're going to shoot them in raw and then you're going to have to, you're going to be able to, you just want to apply it as neutral as possible. And so you just hope that color like accurate color rendition is going to recreate the look of the film i guess yeah it just seems like a lot of work to me doesn't it <laughs> i don't know why anybody would do this like, you know daniel just because for the joy of photography <laughs> did you finish that roll of film no is that why that camera's sitting there behind <laughs> exactly you? i gotta take it with me everywhere until i shoot four more shots <laughs> how many did you shoot when you were uh explaining all this stuff to your mother-in-law I think I took like four pictures when I was there. Okay, so you got to yep. take, take that many again. I took a picture of my nephew and he's like, oh, sweet. I was like, you can't see this picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. You try and explain that to somebody. Oh, you mm-hmm. can't look at it until, you know, two weeks from now. I was, I was wondering if he knew what film photography was. <laughs> I was really hoping he'd ask me. <laughs> that would have been a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. He could have explained it to <laughs> you. could explain uh, film photography to an eight-year-old yeah. and uh, <laughs> the DPI. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so did you have a good holiday? <laughs> Didn't do all that. <laughs> I don't think I took any pictures, or if I did, I just used my phone. That's okay. <laughs> because I'm a bad camera podcaster. Clearly. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into it. All right. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. In the same theme of everything old is new again, I have a topic that I want to get into here. And it's because I came across this camera on the internet. It was Instagrammed at me, as things often are. And I feel like, similar to some other things that we've brought up, I'm like, oh, hey, did you know this exists? It's been out for like a year. And I'm just finding these things out way too late. But we're going to talk about it. Well, what is have it? Have you heard of the Camp Snap? I have not. Okay. I guess I'm not getting those Instagram targeted ads. Okay. So this thing is $65 and it's developed by a family out in California or something or Canada. I'm not sure which. And it is a, imagine, did you ever go to camp as a kid? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like whenever, at least whenever I went to summer camp, I, I would bring a, like a disposable camera with me and I would take pictures and like, those are my memories from camp. And like, as an aside, I have been painstakingly scanning all of my old, old photos to digitize them. And I recently scanned, like, a whole section of, of camp photos from, like, 2005. Oh, man. And I so, bet there's some memories there. Yeah, it was fun. But, you know, fun, exciting. Like, you get your digital camera, you're, you know, taking all the pictures. And when you're done, you take the flash out and then you start flashing at people. And then you electrocute yourself with a battery. We've all done it. <laughs> Anyway, so this camp snap thing, it looks like an old disposable camera, about the, you know, maybe a little smaller, but it's not. It's a digital camera. Interesting. And it has a display on the back that is like an LCD 
display, like a clock, not not like a full color, whatever. Yeah. And, and that shows you, or I guess it's like maybe it's like an MIP or whatever. A little display shows you a number, mm-hmm. and that's how many pictures you've taken, and that's it. There's no, you can't preview the pictures or nothing. It is a digital camera. Yeah. But it has this little 8 megapixel sensor in it. And I was trying to find information on this sensor because it's a, like, whenever you look at the, the data off of the files, it says it's like an iCatch SPCA 1628, which is basically a security camera. They took, like, a security camera 8 megapixel sensor and stuck it in this little, looks like a disposable camera camera that cost $65. And it's a fixed focal length that shoots from, like, you know, five meters out to infinity in focus Mm -hmm. and there you go it looks like it does have an led flash on it right uh it's a rechargeable battery Mm -hmm. and it uses uh they say a tf trans flash card which i think is uh micro sd i can't remember that sounds right it's it's sd or micro sd It's, it's nothing complicated one thing that's interesting is that that memory card is uh secured by a screw like you have to actually like unscrew something to pull it out well, that's awesome. Yeah. And they say like it's drop drop proof and you get kind of like vintage pictures. I think most of the photos are shooting, you know, like your lower light stuff is like one over 30 shutter speed, mm-hmm. you know, for the slower. And it's just, it takes bad photos. Yep. Like if think about, like. think about all the photos you took whenever, <laughs> whenever you were at camp and like how motion blurry they were and everything was flat and it, I mean, this is just going to be the digital version of that to a T. The shutter button is in the worst position I've ever seen for a camera. Oh, I didn't even take note. It's like, it's like, it is the, pretty far over like in the middle on the top. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> yep. It sure is. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a little like inch, inch thin. It's like four and a half inches wide, two and a half inches tall. You know, it's a little, yeah. little digit, you know, digital disposable camera i mean it seems like they're shooting for a very specific use case with this like by the name of the product and all the marketing on that site talks about like you know your kid doing this and like not being distracted by a screen and like the memory card secured in with a screw so that it doesn't get lost and like it feels like they're aiming it at that specific use oh yeah definitely even if you think about oh i'm just gonna take snapshots with my phone then like you're now going to go back and look at all those pictures on your phone, maybe even like while you're there and mm-hmm. maybe you get distracted by Instagram and I'm or TikTok and I'm or whatever, whatever yeah. kids do these days. Yep. And the idea here for the parents and the people who put this together is that, you know, you're at camp, you're trying to disconnect, like you're not, you know, on your phone, you're not on a computer, whatever. So here's a camera where you can just like take the picture and keep going and you don't really need to think about it or worry about it because like you captured the memory and you're not trying to capture, you know, the Mona Lisa or something. And I mean, now that you would actually, that wasn't, that was a painting on a picture, Daniel, which is actually, if you think about it, the original camera was a paintbrush. That's too deep. <laughs> we can't go there right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyway. So yeah, like that, that's the, that's the purpose of that. Yeah. Well, that hasn't stopped all the advertisements on Instagram. Cause like, this is an Instagram camera. Oh, for sure. I don't, I don't yeah. care what you say. I don't care if it's for kids at camp. This is for like teens shooting for Instagram yep. and if camera the, YouTubers who like shooting film. If the X100V isn't hipster enough for you, here's this camera. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> it just made me think about this and then Moment recently came out with their long weekend camera. 
mm-hmm. which is yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I don't know if we talked about that one or not, but I don't think we did. But I saw it somewhere. Very similar size and style, where it's a fixed aperture, you know, one over one hundred shutter speed film camera that shoots 35 millimeter film. Okay. So that one actually, this one's digital. That one actually shoots. Yeah. So that one's digital. The moment long weekend is a film camera. Okay. I'm trying to remember how much it costs. I'm just going to pull up this link real quick. 50 bucks. So, I mean that I'd call that about the same price point. Yeah. So similar price point. And then you have the, the Kodak 30 H 35 N which is almost the exact same thing as a long weekend, but it shoots two verticals onto one. So right. you get 70 or 72 pictures off of a 36 roll film because you're shooting two verticals. And these are all kind of like the same thing to me of here is a film thing or a digital thing that's this cheap $50 easy camera where you're not you're not focusing really, you're not setting exposure, you're just literally pointing and shooting. Yeah. But not to say they're point and shoots, but they're kind of point and shoots, but they're not really. And then like the image quality out of these cameras is just not good. <laughs> and I know that you can get really good pictures on film, but you well, have to not have with those optics. Exactly. You have to have a good lens and you have to be like meter the lighting and set the exposure. But whenever you're just rando shooting and, you know, it just has to be within a certain distance for me to be in focus and the camera is just going to shoot at like one over 50 or one over 100 you're going to get motion blur and yeah. you know, if you're not exposing for the different things and like some of your shots are going to be over and some are going to be under. And it's like between the digital version and the film versions of these, it's just like, it, I don't like, I'm trying to figure out why these are coming back. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I think, I guess like my, my question here is, you know, photography has gotten really good. Digital cameras and digital sensors have gotten super good. And you have the people who are going out there and like they're tired of shooting on their phone. They want something that's better than their phone. And so they're shooting with an X100V or they're shooting with like a Ricoh GR3. And those are small, light, easy to carry around, take fantastic photos. And then you have phone cameras that also take fantastic photos now. And those are always with you and they're easy point and shoots. And yet there's still this weird market in the middle that's like, what if you want to carry an extra device that takes worse pictures? So you can post them on Instagram and I don't, I want it. Like <laughs> you can't help I want, but want it. I want all of these and they're like 65 bucks. I mean, the chances of me owning one of these cameras before this time next week, very high. <laughs> I considered buying this, uh, this camp cam on podcast today. Oh man. It's, it's, I didn't know it was that serious. It could still happen. But Daniel, they take our like horrible pictures. And this has been my thing with the film camera is like, I have my digital camera. I have my film camera with me. Why am I not going to take the picture? That's the best picture I can take. Why am I going to take a bad picture? Cause it's easier. I think you're, we, we've covered you wanting to shoot on film at length on this podcast. And it's been me, terrible to me. That's a different question. Than it is like why somebody would use one of these cheap cameras. And that's the question that I'm, I'm trying to kind of get at is like, there is clearly a market here. And I know the camp cam is a very, very narrow specific cell, but it is still catching this broader market of people who want, like they want their pictures to have a look and feel to them. That's not within their control. Like they don't want to have to do all this Instagram editing, but they want to have this nostalgic look to something, I guess. But they, and they also want it to just be easy and to snap the photos and then be like, I don't know, there's like this m- market and I don't necessarily understand it because the photos are 
definitively worse as far as from like a, you know, empirical judgment of what's a good photo. And I don't know what, why, why are we doing this to ourselves? I think it's less of a commentary on photography and more on technology and our relationship with it. Because I think that people are so connected to their phones now and, you know, such a big part of people's lives, especially kids, you know, just like glued to their phone. I mean, you see it with people of all ages where it's just as soon as you pick up your phones, you know, there goes 20 minutes, there goes an hour. And I think this is sort of a response to that where it's like, what what can I get that will let me take a photo that's not going to tempt me to get on TikTok or Instagram or whatever? And, you know, I'm trying to simplify my life and you know, have less technology and that's kind of my way to do it. And I think I actually was reading this morning. Somebody said that anytime there's like a big move in one direction or like, you know, a big new trend, there's an anti-trend that kind of goes with it. And so in this case, it's like, you know, there's obviously been this huge push towards social media and being more connected and having like more technology right there and like always being able to reach people and all that. And this feels like part of the anti-trend that goes with that of like people wanting to disconnect and get away from the technology and not have that stuff in their face all the time. And I think they're capitalizing on that with cameras like this. So people who want to still capture memories and capture the moments of their life, but don't want to that to have to be tied to their phone is kind of what you're, you're that's guessing. kind of what i think and i mean and also just fewer decisions i mean we have really good cameras that can take really good pictures but there's a lot of decisions to make and so you know especially when you shoot film but even with uh you know like a fuji camera you know you're having to decide you know what settings do i want to use and it's not always just like a quick snap and so it seems like maybe this is intended to like keep you in the moment and you're not focusing on photography you're just focusing on what's around you but you're also like capturing that for later that's been one of my so i'm a big snapshot person i love having a camera with me and just taking pictures and i have normalized it with all of my friend groups and they just don't think twice when lucas has a camera in his hand and it's it's been a long uphill battle but we're there <laughs> yeah it's definitely true i'd agree with that and this sounds like one of my arguments that i've had for prime lenses of why i love primes which is if I'm doing that, if I'm just taking snapshots, I don't want to have to think about the framing of the zoom. Yeah. I want to pick, you know, 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter, something like that, and just shoot with what I have. And I'll set it in, you know, aperture priority, like 2.8 or something or 5.6 and just shoot. And that, that, that appeals to me for, taking snapshots and using primes and making it as low friction as possible. I think it's the same thing that appeals to me about these kind of cameras where it's like, you can get these fun, interesting things. When I have a, like a mirrorless body with me that can shoot raw, I'm almost always going to set that to JPEG and raw because I'm like, what if for some reason I take the best photo I've ever taken by accident, which goes to the other thing that I've always say, which is my philosophy of photography is a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> and so what if I get that broken clock picture? You know, I mean, like you never know. I'm going to want the raw 
And so now I'm shooting raw plus JPEG. And then now I have an extra workflow instead of just dumping the JPEGs when I'm done. I now need to go through all of them and like pick the ones I want to edit. And now all of a sudden I'm back into like full photography workflow. Yeah. Whereas if you're shooting on film or you're shooting with something like this camp snap garbage, it's not garbage. It's probably a fantastic camera. It looks terrible. Anyway, you just, you don't have that option. You've taken that control away from yourself so that you want also in addition to being in the moment you know are able to not have the burden on the back end of what am i going to do with all these photos yeah i do think that part of the part of the lifestyle this is pushing forth is that you can't you can't be like well i'm going to take my fuji camera and this camera because then you have that decision again and you know oh well this is the real moment so i'm going to use my big camera it's like right you, you have to like just take this with you not even use your phone to take pictures and like, I don't know. It's interesting because it's, this doesn't feel like a camera that you go out to do photography with. It's more of just like, I want to get some pictures as I'm out doing something else. What about as like a festival camera? Uh, I was going to say, I think using it at like a theme park or for something like that is, you know, I could maybe see it being a good use for it because it's cheap. And so if something were to happen to it, it's not the end of the world. Mm hmm. You know, and I mean, they, they seem pretty small too. So I, it seems like potentially good for something like that. If you go to a music festival, if you go to, like I went to Meow Wolf the few weeks ago and you also can't bring, they say, you know, don't bring an interchangeable lens in here, but maybe you want to take pictures of things, things like this that are basically point and shoots. I mean, like you can get a, like you can have a, whatever, a Sony R, R1R. No, crap. I forgot the name of that camera. You mean RX100? The RX... Well, it's not the RX100. You mean the full frame one? Yeah. Yeah, it's like RX1R or something. Maybe I did get it right. Anyway, like you could you have something like that that's like super, super legit. But I mean, honestly, you could probably... In a situation like that, you could probably get away with the X-T30 with the 27mm pancake lens. Yeah, you know... They, they wouldn't they, know. They wouldn't know. But like something like this, you're walking into Lollapalooza or whatever, and you got your teal camp snap. No one's going to care. They're yeah, like, mm -hmm. yeah. These are these are just for you. Yeah, and it communicates that to the people that you're walking through, and then now you have your fun little camera for all your fun little pictures. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of appeal for people who are doing those social things that are restricted in the way that doesn't allow you know sure. commercial photography. Yeah. Now, as for whether this particular one is the right choice, I don't know. I mean, I I like it better as an option than the film ones that you mentioned, mostly because I. I still think film is super impractical for actually like sharing with people. And <laughs> I mean, just the fact that you have to get it developed and wait for it is kind of annoying. You know, like maybe you want to go do it's part one of, of those the excitement, things. Daniel. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. You have to like wait yeah. patiently. I, to me, that defeats some of the purpose of it. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, the quality on this thing is probably not that good. It's only eight megapixels. It's a security camera sensor. I haven't seen pictures from it, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that good. So there may be a better option, but I think I like the segment as an idea. You know, there, there's a whole world out there of still of like point and shoots that are less than a hundred bucks. And you can get like a Nikon something or whatever, a cool pics camera that, yeah, I have a, I have a Kodak point and shoot camera. That's like a, you know, a one inch sensor from 2009 that probably takes as equally bad pictures as this camp snap thing. And it's smaller and it has a 35x optical zoom. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, I, 
I could probably do fine with something just like that. It's like, this is really cool. I guess it's, you know, it's the, it's the image of it of, you know, I have this faux disposable camera and like I can drop it. And it only costs me 65 bucks. I mean, yeah, sure. You get a better, a better point and shoot camera. That's six years old that you bought off eBay for $12 and it's going to take better pictures. Yeah. I guess like I'm missing the point if I start optimizing for image quality and price on these things. Yeah. Well, but I mean, part of the point of it too is not having a screen, not having settings. True. That, that's the true. other thing. Even a point and shoot camera will have stuff like that. Right. So. Yeah. You, you divorce yourself of all of those things and you really are just looking through the plastic and yeah. uh, taking a picture. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it'd be interesting for you to get one and try it, but it's uh i think it's an open question whether that particular camp snap is the one that you would want i mean i am sitting here on their website i can buy it with apple pay i don't even have to enter my information <laughs> and i mean it comes in brown aqua pink oh, that's not bad black's dumb i'm gonna skip over that one forest green looks pretty good it reminds me of the uh nikon zf with with the nice. forest green. that was a pretty good color you can get it in white or yellow the yellow is pretty fun what uh? What color would you get it in, Daniel? I would probably go with the forest green, just because I like that color for electronics. Yeah, I, just, I would want it to be bright. The aqua's pretty good. I like the aqua, but I also like the yellow. I should definitely buy one of these right now, right? You should, and then next time we shoot an event, you should only bring that camera. Oh my gosh, that would be so funny. Like, <laughs> I so bad want one of these, and I can't imagine ever using it. It would just sit on a shelf. I mean... For the price, it's not that bad for like a lark. Oh yeah, I mean like it's sixty five bucks. Like yeah. I should, I should totally have one of these just for the gag of showing up to an event shoot. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I think you should get one. Oh boy, I don't know why I'm waffling over this thing. It's so stupid and so fun. The pictures are gonna be terrible. I'm not. I'm not doing this today. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna think about it for one more time. You All almost right. got me. I'm like finger hovering over the buy button right I do, here i do think that some of the trips we go on you know if we go down to the beach go on a camping trip or something i think it could be fun for something like that yeah it definitely could those pictures are gonna be awful <laughs> yeah they are i feel like i would i would almost rather buy the kodak h35n and then I could scratch the film itch mm. and shoot double the pictures and then l seriously never finish a roll. That's what I was about to say is you can't even finish a normal roll of film and you're telling me you're going to finish 72. Mm -hmm. Of course, maybe mm -hmm. with something like this, maybe you're doing more, you know, you're not planning ahead as much and maybe, yeah. maybe you're more willing to shoot quickly. But, but I mean, the, the development costs are the same, right? Like you still have to pay. To, how yeah. do you how do you even get that developed if it's two vertical pictures? I think they just figure it out, or you cut it in post. Mm. I don't think it's a big deal. Nah. Or you can think about it as like each picture is two pictures. You know, think about your your single Halves photo, your single photo as a uh, as two moments, and so you're telling a story with two pictures instead of one, but they live together, and so you just always take two pictures. That's way too hipster for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's I think it's fun. Yes, yeah. but yeah. Well, I think you should get one of these. I guess you'll have to think about which one you want. Oh boy, probably get the moment long weekend one so I can support those moment guys. Yeah. Okay, I got another another topic on here. Is this more or less hipster than the topic we just talked about? Oh man, I, we probably could have gone longer on that, Daniel. Anyway, 
Oh, geez. I'm like looking at this list here, and the next thing on the list is that Kodak Super 8 camera. <laughs> <laughs> that one would be more hipster than I, this. I don't know if we can get into that right now. I think we should put that one off. Yeah, we're going to put that off. The next link I have on here is, I don't know if you know this, but the magazine Popular Science released their 2023 best mirrorless cameras. I did not know that. <laughs> I just pulled it up, so don't try to get me to guess these. Yeah, so in, in tradition of this show, uh, I wanted to run through what uh, what no, non-traditional uh, camera reviewing sites uh, think about the most popular mirrorless cameras. I definitely agree. disagree with, with quite a few of these. So. No, no, this is good. This is good. So this is photo. Like Keep that in okay. mind. Okay. Uh, all right. So best mirrorless camera. 2023 EOS R5. Wait, is that the one no, with IBIS? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. They, I'm looking they, at they, don't, they don't have just like a best camera. They've got different categories they have here. Best for pros, best for APS-C, and best for low light. Mm-hmm. So best for pros, Nikon Z8. I think I do agree with that. I mean, it's not, that's not bad. I, I might have said Z9. Sure, but sure. Z8's newer. Yeah, I mean, it seems seems like that, that seems like a fine choice. They're clearly not limiting themselves to the year 2023 because mm. the R5 and the XT5 and the Z6 Mark II are on here. Yeah, all of which are older than that. Yep, uh, which is fair. I mean, you, they're saying that's the best choice now. I mostly appreciate that we're seeing a Nikon on a list like yeah, this. I'll allow it. Yeah. Nikon Z8 is a really good camera. Yeah, I mean, we're you know maybe next year when the A9 Mark III releases, it might it might not make it to the top of this list, but We'll see. Best APS-C, X-T5. I bet you like that choice. Yeah, that feels pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they picked it over the X-H2. I feel like the, from a user perspective, the X-H2 is more friendly. Uh, I think that the dials discourage people. Yeah, from, but for, you sometimes. for photo, I think the dial and the screen are two things that the X-T5 has in favor. Oh, interesting. Because the screen is the... Is is not a fl- oh you flip. meant like the the, fl- the screen orientation yeah okay yeah I can I, I agree with that I just think that for me the dials are a big deal and I'm excited about them but I think that for some people they wanted to be able to just set it in manual or set it in aperture and sure. just rock and roll and that's maybe a little more familiar yeah. to them yeah all right we got best for low light photography Nikon Z6 Mark II. I don't know much about the Nikon Z6 Mark II's low light capabilities, but I guess I was surprised to see not a Sony for this. I'm also surprised. Like, obviously, if this is for photo, yeah. you're not going to pick the A7S III because right. it's 12 megapixels. Right. And so you're probably going to pick something that's in the 26 range. Maybe you're not going to go up to 46, 62, 63. But even still, like a Z6 Mark II is getting pretty long in the tooth yeah and i do wonder like why you wouldn't pick something like an a7 4 um like though the sony cameras just have better iso ranges or something that has like better dual gain i know that like the nikons are good and they have good files and that sort of thing but it sounds like their reason for why they picked it is because it's particularly good at low light autofocus so it oh, can, interesting it can low light autofocus down to negative 4.5 stops um or it's EV, all rather. about the autofocus. And it even has a special low light autofocus mode. So I think that's probably why they why they picked that. Mm. That's, what, that's why they said they picked it. If, if my focusing in the dark was, was one of my criteria, I would get that 
that DJI like laser focus thing and yeah. slap it on a Lumix camera. Oh man, man, Unsto- cool. unstoppable. <laughs> All right, uh, best for vlogging, ZVE one. Seems like a fine choice. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And then they had a few runner-ups on here. You got uh, like the A7C for their vlogger runner-up. They got uh, best budget as the EOS R100. I was glad they picked the R100 and not the R50. Really? Yeah. It, it just, I'm, the R50 seems so limited. I think the R100 is a better choice. I thought it was the other way around. I Am thought I the R50 was the one that like it's like that? for an extra 100 bucks, you get a ton more features. Like the R100 has, you can't move the screen. It is basically a, you know, a really old Rebel uh, DSLR style yeah, you're body. Right. I, yeah, that that I was wrong about that. Yeah, I don't. They should have put the, picked the R50. Yeah, because it's like what a hundred, hundred fifty dollars yeah. more to get an R50, and then you get infinitely more features. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one's a mistake. I was surprised. So the the best with in body image stabilization is it looks like they had like a tie between the the EOS R5 and the R6 Mark II, and. I don't know. That's kind of a, for one thing, for photo, that's a weird category. But, and I know this is for photo, and that's probably the only reason they could pick these. But for video, the Canon Ibis just does not seem good. No, it doesn't. And it's weird and wobbly. And I think, like, they do have good Ibis for photo. But if I was picking a camera for photo Ibis, I would pick the OM1. Mm -hmm. Like, it's micro four thirds, but... Or even the uh, the new G9 Mark II from from Panasonic, where you you can shoot 100 megapixel, you know, focus shift yeah. images handheld. Honestly, this this one feels to me like they wanted to get the R5 in this list, mm-hmm. and that was how they found a way to do it. Do you think those are affiliate links? I, I'm sure they are <laughs> affiliate links. I don't know. It just seems kind of shoehorned in. Yeah, it does. It does seem weird that that. That's there on that list. I mean, so like the Canon ones are maybe out of place. Everything else seems yeah. basically fine. This the Nikon's is, a weird pick. This is better than the Artings list for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe Artings is updated again. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think we have time to get into that yeah, today. I, th- I think I need to keep looking for more non-camera website best camera lists. I'm just going to keep bringing those. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really passive aggressive segment, I think. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. What's a, do we have a main topic today, Daniel? Or do you want to talk about the Super 8 camera? No, I think, I think we need to talk about the DJI, DJI Osmo Pocket 3 because you, we've been pushing this off for so long. You mean you don't want to talk about black point in cameras? I, man, that's, that's deep. And <laughs> all Not of the, today. all the GFX 100, the deuce controversies. No, no we, we've got to, we've got to get through this Osmo Pocket, man. We've been, we, we've had this on the list for a month. When did it, when did the Osmo Pocket 3 release? Uh, I don't know. October 25th. Yeah. It's been a little while. Just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, not as long as it could have been, but. Okay. So DJI Osmo Pocket. This is, this is not there. Action cam, which is the Osmo. Osmo Action. Osmo Action. Is there an Osmo Vanilla? There's an Osmo, and it's a mobile phone gimbal. That's confusing. Yeah. So, the Osmo's a gimbal. The Osmo Action's a GoPro competitor. And the Osmo Pocket is the one that's a, a, a gimbal with a, with a drone sensor on it, basically. Yeah, it's basically like a little stick that has a small gimbal on top and a sensor from one of the Mavics. Right, exactly. So 
this is the third iteration of that. Mm-hmm. And it's new and improved and way better in every way. Yep. Yeah. It, I mean, I've always thought these were really interesting products. And I, I think in the past, you've kind of felt like there wasn't a point to them. And I don't know. I mean, I never bought one, but I just thought it was a cool idea. Like having something with maybe a little more stabilization, be able to do like a smooth pan or something. And the one and two both had some neat features, but they just didn't quite hit the mark of something that would actually be useful. And so I was curious with this one to see if they've you know added enough to make it more compelling. I feel like the tables are turned here and that I inexplicably can't tell you why I want a camp snap. Why do you want an Osmo? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it is kind of like that. Well, that's the thing. I don't think this is the right camera for me. I think that this is a really good vlog camera. And that's not something that I really do. So it doesn't make much sense. But what if you did, Daniel? What if you what just if started I vlogging? I just, I, my life isn't interesting enough. I, I don't leave the house. You got to just tell those stories, man. You <laughs> tell to like what's happening around the house today. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think anybody wants to This is my fifth that. cup of espresso. More B-roll. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, YouTube in 2017? <laughs> now, I just think they're interesting. And, you know, people take so much footage with their phones. You know, when you get on Instagram or something, you know, or, or even YouTube, you know, you see a lot of phone footage. And I think that having a gimbal lets you get some shots that look different from that. Because you can do like a really smooth pan or like a smooth sliding shot, things that are hard to do on a phone. And, you know, I think some of it's that, and maybe some of it is kind of like the camp snap, camp snap type thing where, you know, here's something you can hold in your hand that's for one purpose. It's just for shooting video. And maybe that makes you focus more on that rather than, you know, like having this multi-purpose thing. Right. You don't have to make a decision. You're shooting the video when you pull that thing out. Mm-hmm. I would expect the stabilization on this is still is just going to be better than even an iPhone 15 with action mode turned on. Well, it, it's hard to beat physics. Right. Cuz like even you even still like you watch you watch iPhone 15 action footage it, it you still get that digital jump stuff where mm-hmm. like there's this weird pixelation shift in the image as it's trying to keep it stable. Yeah. If you're on a physical gimbal, you're going to have much less of that, especially if you're not dealing with, you know, OIS. Yep. I, Ibis, sorry, not OIS. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what got me with this new Pocket 3 versus the Pocket 2 when it came out, like for whatever you're going to use it for, it is substantially larger. Yeah, it is bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, that's good and bad, right? Because I, I think the features compared to the two are better, are better as well. Have you seen like a king-size Snicker bar? <laughs> Probably. If that's the Osmo Pocket 3. Then the Osmo Pocket 2 was like a fun size. That big of a difference, huh? No. But that's what it seemed like to me. <laughs> it was I, I watched uh, I watched a few different YouTube videos on this thing, and I was like, why do they have a child holding that? <laughs> <laughs> why is that person holding a log? <laughs> it is pretty sizable. I agree. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe not that exaggerative, but it, it did get significantly bigger. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, lot of really cool features yeah like it has a one inch sensor which yeah may, maybe that's the same sensor that's in the air 2s because that also has a one inch sensor yeah so i was trying to dig back and see okay so it is it's a one inch sensor and i was like okay which drone that dji currently has of the 15 drones that they sell and that their insane lineup has a one inch sensor and the answer is none 
none of the current drones have a one inch sensor. They're all slightly bigger. So I'm like, well, when was the last time they shipped a one inch sensor? And it was the Air 2S. Interesting. And so I'm assuming that it's the same as the Air 2S. I put that in here. There, no one's no one's said that. There's never yeah. no like official press release or whatever. I haven't found. It's hard to find the model numbers for the sensors on these sort of things mm-hmm. without having the metadata off the camera or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm just guessing. If, if DJI is reusing a sensor, probably that one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's got similar features like the 10-bit uh, D-Log M. That's, mm-hmm. that's also what the Air 2S supports. So it probably is. Which, why... Daniel, why can't they just put log in these things? Uh, well, so that's what's frustrating is like the uh, the Air 2S used to have log and then they switched to this D-Log M thing. Yeah, they took it away. Yeah, which doesn't make sense. I mean, I think they did it because people want to shoot in log because they want like, like they think it's more professional. And on some cameras, I don't know if the drones are like this, but on some cameras, you know, you don't get 10 bit unless you shoot in log. And so I think they know people want to shoot in log, but then they also know that people are just going to post that uncorrected log footage on sure. online and so they're like let's just give them dlog m which is going to look a little bit better because it's already like it's already a little more contrasty it's a little bit closer to what you could just post but i don't know i don't like it dlog m drives me crazy <laughs> and like if you're shooting in log you know usually a good camera company will publish a white paper here's here's the gamma curve here's the color space. This is Rec 2020. This is Asus, you know, C or whatever. Or like, here's here's the curve. Here's the color space, and yeah. blah 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 blah. There is no white paper for D-Log M. We don't know what color space it is. I assume that maybe it's Rec 709, but some people think that it's Rec 100, which is a slightly different version of Rec 2020, basically an H HLG HDR hmm. style color space. So okay. they can like fit more whatever, but you don't know. Sorry, 2100, not 100, Rec 2100. But like, I don't know. We, we, just, we just don't. And so if you, if you're bringing this footage in and you want to color trans color space, transform it to match your other footage. So you can, you know, let's bring it all into the same color space. And then now we're going to grade it all together and have like one final look. You're just guessing. You don't know if you're doing it right. And like common practice is, you know, if it looks, if it looks good, just go with it. But it's frustrating. It's frustrating that it's a flat profile that you have to grade, but they don't give you any information on how to grade it. They're, they're completely silent on the color space and it just seems less usable and just flat. It's really annoying. It seems less professional. It's like they're, they're not expecting somebody to use this camera as part of a larger shoot. Sure. And so that's why they're thinking like, oh, well, you can just kind of like tweak it until it looks good rather than having something that you can get everything into the same color space and, you know, like match clips. I don't remember if DJI has a D-Log M LUT or whatever. They do have a D-Log to Rec. 709 converter, but I don't necessarily think that they have a, a D-Log M. People, people will sell you one. You can find them all over the internet. Yeah. But that's that's the other frustrating bit is like if you're shooting in log and you like you don't want you just want to have the most dynamic range and the best color fidelity and you don't want to have to deal with it in post, you slap the manufacturer's LUT on that and then yeah. you have good footage, like yeah. the best version of the footage when you're done, and you didn't really have to try that hard. But DJI isn't even doing that. There's like, here's this weird maybe rec twenty one hundred, maybe rec seven oh nine flat profile in quotes. Have fun color grading it, I guess. And I don't know. I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's just this weird, like, non-professional, 
non-usable amalgamation of yeah, fake log. I agree. Some things I do like about the camera. Anyway, so to be clear though, the Osmo Pocket 3 comes with D-Log M. Yes. Not good D-Log. Yep. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. Go ahead. Some things I do like about it. So one thing, that one inch sensor is a surprisingly good spec compared to a lot of similar sort of cameras. Yeah, definitely. So like if you compare it to like, let's say like the DJI Osmo Action, which is their action camera or the uh, Insta360 uh, Ace Pro that was just announced. Both of those have a one over 1.3 inch sensor. And that sounds like a pretty good number, but the one inch sensor in this one's like 30% bigger than that. Wow. If you compare it to a GoPro, the GoPro 12 has a one over 1.9 inch sensor. So it's almost like four times bigger. Yeah, it's 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 90% bigger That's than that sensor. nuts. Yeah. And so the low light performance on this should be significantly better than those cameras. Oh yeah, definitely. Which like that's, that at least partially justifies the size of it. And that's a reason why you might pick this over a camera like that is if you want to be able to shoot a lot in like, you know, low light situations. It seems like that has proven itself out in the sample footage is that mm-hmm. it has decent low light and it's running in a nicer range of like 50 to 6,400, which is to me surprisingly low on the high side but it is a small sensor it can expand up to sixteen thousand, but that's going to be the noisiest most garbage whatever so Mm -hmm. like you're going to get up to 6400 and you're basically going to hit a cap on image quality that's not that bright for a one inch sensor but it's not bad yeah yeah it also has a uh a flippy screen that goes it's not flippy in the way you'd normally think uh it rotates so it goes from it's like a sidekick yeah, yeah. So it goes from vertical to uh, from portrait to landscape. I guess is what we would say. And a cool feature of that is that you can turn it. You can you can configure it so that when you flip the screen, it starts recording. Yeah, that's so you pretty can pull neat. it out of your pocket and flip the screen into landscape, and it'll just start recording. I'm just gonna take a break here and think about just how satisfying that would be. I don't know, like anyone who's ever had some sort of device that they can fidget with. Like I had a slide phone, mm-hmm. you know, in the mid two thousands and oh man, just <laughs> slip, 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 just up and down, up and down, up and down. Yep. Or like people who had a sidekick, just like flip that thing out. Who boy. <laughs> Having one of these bad boys where you can just kick that screen, you just mm-hmm. flip it out. Now you're recording. Yep. I mean, I would record so many clips. <laughs> I think you can even configure it so that whenever it turns on, you can decide whether you want the camera pointing away from you mm-hmm. or toward you. So if you know that, you know, I'm vlogging and most of the time I'm going to want it pointing at me, yeah. you can just have it so that it'll automatically rotate and face you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 for fidgetability. Yes. Yeah. Other neat feature is that it works with the transmitter from the DJI mics. Okay. Yeah. That's super cool. And you can buy it in a package that comes with the mic and it doesn't have to have the receiver. Yeah. So you don't have this extra thing plugged into it. It's just like that's built into the Osmo pocket and it can use that wireless mic, which again, like perfect feature for for vlogging. I don't, why doesn't Sony do this? Like Sony has their, their fancy hot shoe thing where like, here's a microphone and you just plop it on the hot shoe. How come I can't buy a Sony camera that works with like a Sony receiver and you don't even have to have the transmitter. It'd be that so feels, much better. That feels right up. Yeah. Sony's alley. That'd be a Come great on, like ZVE1 Oh my feature. gosh, that'd be so cool. It'd be perfect. Yeah. Here, here's DJI, you know, 
just bringing all this innovation mm-hmm. as, as they just keep doing. Yep. So super, super cool. Love, love that. Love that you can just buy it with it. I guess if it starts having drift issues, you can't do anything about it. But <laughs> either way, you can, if you have a receiver, you can like repair it to different transmitters, right? Yeah, you should be able to. So if you had the single receiver and the single thing and then you bought an Osmo, you could maybe. I bet you can. Yeah. Now, now you have two receivers all of a sudden or whatever and you yeah. start pairing those things off. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it looks like the lens on this thing is like roughly 20 millimeter equivalent and like an F2. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's F2 or if that's the full frame equivalent yeah, of F2. I, I doubt it's the latter. Agreed. So I think it's just like an F2 lens. Yeah. And 20 millimeter is definitely a tighter lens than what, than what most action cameras have. But of course, this can make up for it by being able to pan around. And so you can get, you can do subject tracking and stuff where it can follow you around in a frame, which, you know, something like a GoPro is not going to be able to do. So, right. And if you are running into a limit of you need that to be wider, they do make an adapter, like yeah, a wide like angle a little, kit thing. little lens eclipse on the front or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a moment thing for your phone, but DJI for their stuff. And so you can get it, you can get like an 108 field of view off of that, that wide angle, which is, if you're looking at like full frame lenses, that's like 12-ish. It's like 12.6 or something. So it's 12 or 13 roughly mm-hmm. equivalent if you put the wide angle wide angle adapter on that thing. Yeah. But a one inch sensor, like if you're trying to do the math of, you know, how good is this thing actually compared to something that you know, whether that be a PSC or full frame or whatever, it's a 2.7, give or take, crop for one inch up to full frame. Okay. So if you're looking at a F2... That's like a five, crap. Oh no, Daniel, Daniel, I'm doing math live again. It's like 5.4, you know, right around there. That's fine. You know, five, a 5.6 F-stop on full frame is a good, reasonable depth of yeah. field. So like, that's not bad. They, they don't have to have super, super good autofocus. You kind of have a decent range if you're shooting wide and basically everything's going to be in focus. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you're a vlogger, this is an interesting camera. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even if you're just looking to have an extra thing to, you know, you know, shoot your daily stuff or maybe you need, you're doing some action cam things, you're riding around on a skateboard or something, I don't know. But it's it seems like a good, you know, capturing things in motion type thing where you maybe you're not in the world where you need an action camera, but you need something that's really, that's really stable. Yeah. But then also it does all of those other, other things. Like I think one of the new features for this is it can track you. Mm-hmm. You can set it on a table, have it follow you around as like you walk back and forth or whatever, kind of like what the ZVE one does in software, yep. except this is doing it with a gimbal. Yeah. You can have it do motion time lapses and all this kind of stuff. It seems like, you know, you, you, kind of hit on something i think when you said it's like if you want an action camera but you don't necessarily need you know the same like durability or whatever that an action camera gives you i feel like for somebody like me this is really probably a better fit than something like a gopro because i don't do extreme sports i'm not going to be taking it skiing down a mountain or you know swimming with it or things like that but you know like if i just wanted a little camera that could record good videos and that's you know smaller and maybe easier to work with than my full like you know fuji xhs setup something like this seems like it gives you some interesting capabilities that you don't get from something something like a gopro something like a gopro 
but you know you do give up a little bit on like the durability because you have this little gimbal thing on yeah, top sure. you're, you're not going to be able to beat it up as much as a gopro it does seem like it locks in decently where you know if you do are worried about how do i get this from a to b without breaking it and they mm-hmm. come with a case yeah and the case makes it even more huge well but yeah i mean for transport i think it'd be fine but i'm talking about like you know you're you're not gonna mount oh, this. like you're you're not gonna put it on like a mountain bike because you're gonna shake the gimbal off or whatever yeah, or like you're not gonna mount this on your helmet sure so yeah not necessarily I do think that one of the one of the advantages of something like a Pocket Three is that if you if you need or want certain shots that you can get off of a what's that thing that Rhino makes like the Arc Two or Arc Three that's a that's like a motorized yeah. base mm-hmm. thing where you can program it or have a track or do whatever and it can do all of your camera movements for you yeah like, like a, a mo- like a programmed motion control thing yeah exactly yeah. it seems like I don't think you can do like those kind of maybe you can. That with the Dodge Osmo, but you can kind of get similar stuff of like, here's a motion, I need to do a time lapse or I need to track mm-hmm. this thing. And so you can kind of get similar types of shots with this. That if you wanted to do that with your mirrorless camera or your phone, it's now become kind of more difficult or more expensive. Yeah, that was one of the things that I liked about the old ones is like, if you wanted to get a, a panning time lapse, you know, just to make it a little more interesting, doing that with a regular camera requires all this extra gear and you know, you have to like use an app to configure it and it's just like a pain and something like this feels like you could just like pop it up and get your shot. And it's kind of cool. Have, I don't know if they've brought all of these features that you get out of the Osmo pocket, which it seems like you probably get a little more cause they're controlling what the camera sees and they have that data process line. Uh, what I'm getting at is comparing something like this to having an iPhone 15 on a regular Osmo. Mm, it seems yeah. like, you know, you could do your time lapsey things or your motions or your, your controlled motions or your gimbal stuff and then have your iPhone on a gimbal. Sure. Obviously, like, there's not really a way to turn off I, IBIS inside the iPhone. And so, like, that kind of maybe would maybe. get weird yeah. on an Osmo. But it seems like if image quality and portability, you know, you're going to have your phone with you and then the Osmo is going to be smaller. And sure. if image quality is most important, you might just be better off with something like a gimbal for your phone. Maybe, but the Osmo then I guess has the argument of you know here's here's something that has a data process line so it can do maybe some AI stuff or it can do the motion tracking yeah. and that sort of thing and then it has integrated mic so it's it would be cool if you could get all these features with the regular Osmo through like a like a USB C connection into your phone and then like have it read the data off the phone and like do all of its AI tracking and the mic controls mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Cause then you could potentially get the best of both worlds of like, here's the best version of this with a way better camera, but it's not, it, doesn't, it seems like DJI probably wants to sell more pocket threes than uh, fancy gimbals with USB C connection. I would bet that the, that the Osmo pocket is smaller than the Osmo that works with the phone. You think so? I, because that's, that's it, probably true. Because it I doesn't guess. have to, it doesn't have to move as much weight for one thing. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't think about that. And I the, thought they'd be probably similar, but the yeah, Os- you're probably the, right. The, the Osmo for the phone would also have a clamp for the phone, which like even just that's going to be pretty bulky. So I think the Osmo Pocket's probably smaller. And I also think that, I, you know, it may it may just be easier to deal with having a separate device. And the other part of this is like, let's say you're getting a time lapse. An annoying thing about getting a time lapse with your phone is now I don't have access to my phone until that's done. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, good point. What are you going to do while you wait for 30 minutes yeah, for this thing to happen? Exactly. Yeah, so that's all a good point. It's I kind of like what they're doing here with the Osmo Pocket 3. I think that it's a pretty big improvement just across the board with 
all these new features and the integration of the transmitter and you know it, it shoots like decent video at whatever like 130 megabit per second like it's good for what it is it's a decent improvement with the other one i wish it didn't get so much bigger yeah and like, it's pretty expensive too yeah i guess it's like what 520 or something like that yeah yeah for just the just the unit it's pretty pretty high would you buy it with the like there they have a a package that you can buy so you can like get just the osmo three or you can buy it with this package that's like 670 so it's 150 dollars more would you buy the package with all of the things i think that since i have the dji mic i would not because i already have that transmitter if i didn't already have the dji mic and if i thought that having that wireless mic was a useful feature for me i would probably consider it because you know 150 dollars and you get the wireless mic and some other things yeah, but, you get like a carry bag you get you get a battery handle so you can extend the life of it if you're doing tons of recording or really long time lapses you get the wide angle lens mm -hmm. and you get a tripod handle so like yeah. multiple handles a bag the receiver like it's definitely seems to me like that's worth it that's yeah, worth you, the, you the get cost some, if you need those things or want you get some things. cool features I, th I think the transmitter mic is probably the the biggest uh the biggest one maybe I, I feel like that wide angle lens and those those stands and battery grip is yeah pretty handy but then you're you know you're up to almost 700 dollars. that's a pretty high price yeah that is, that is kind of pushing it when you're when you're comparing it to you know like a gopro is 400 to 450 i mean just just for the unit you know and uh the other ones are probably pretty similar price i don't know i mean it's not like wildly expensive but it's a little up there they looks like they still potentially sell the Pocket Two, and you can get that one for like three thirty. Oh man, that's pretty cheap. That is pretty cheap. I mean, it's maybe not the best image quality. I'm trying to find out how much this thing weighs, and the Osmo Pocket weighs it's Pocket Three. Sorry, weighs 179 grams. It's a little bit heavier than a GoPro. Okay, a GoPro is about 150 grams with the battery. Yep, and then the Osmo DJI M or DJI M. Osmo, oh gosh, I can't read and say the same thing. The five for the phone, 290 grams. So that's the, the phone gimbal. Yeah. So that's that's a lot. It's substantially it's, more. Yeah. It's not it's not twice as much, but it's pretty big. It's pushing it. So would you, I mean, you don't necessarily have a use for these things. You're not like an action cam guy, but you know, jumping out of planes or whatever. <laughs> would you go with one of these over something like a, like an action camera? Because, I mean, even... It's a totally different market, right? Like, DJI even sells the Osmo Action. Yeah. Which is, like, a completely different product from this thing. And you have, and you have an Insta360 Go. Mm -hmm. and it's, like, also slightly different. Yeah. But you kind of an action cam. How, how do these compare to those other cameras? Like, should you, should you cross-shop this against, like, the insta360 ace pro or the gopro 12 or whatever well i mean that's kind of what i was getting at earlier i think that i you, you can't even have this in the running if you're in a situation where you're going to be getting the camera wet and getting sand in it and you know clamping it on the front of a car like all those types of things that action cams are really good at this is not going to be good at and so if you're doing something like that i think this is out of the running but i think if you're just looking for like a small camera that you can take with you. And if you want to vlog or something, this is probably better than any of those. Like, especially for a vlog type situation, because this is going to be easier to hold on to any kind of GoPro or something like that is if you're trying to do like a vlog style thing, you have this little tiny square that you're trying to hold in your hand and it's just not, 
it's not very ergonomic. It's not very easy to aim the way you want. I don't know. I, I think this is probably better than those for that use case. Sure. It's kind of a matter of you, know, you can holding it and having it being stable. The Osmo 3 is going to win. If you are using it primarily for vlogging, you could put it on a table and mm-hmm. have it do the motion track thing. Yep. So like, yeah, it's it's going to be more better for those things. But also now that you're in the price point of nearly $800 for the microphone and all this sort of thing. I mean, why aren't you just using a ZVE-10 with a mic on it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the question you have to ask. Does does a ZVE-10, did it get the motion tracky features where it can like follow you around? Or that's only in the A7C2 and the ZVE-1. I think that's right. Yeah. And I don't, those, think, and those I don't are like, like the E10 has. $2,000. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I think to consider this, you've got to be wanting to take advantage of the gimbal features, like doing pans, doing subject tracking, stuff like that. But I think it's a pretty cool vlog option. I guess it would just be the ZV10 because the ZVE is the one with the interchangeable lens. And now you're going to buy lenses. True. Yeah. But even still, that's going to have better image quality. Mm-hmm. The action camera question is interesting, though. Uh, you know, I already mentioned the sensor thing where the sensor on this one's notably larger than any of the other action cameras. You know, so there's the GoPro 12 that just came out uh, a month or two ago. They come out with a new GoPro every year, and that's the newest one. The DJI Osmo Action 4 came out a while back. That's DJI's version of a GoPro. Right, and which then, I think, didn't we have a Osmo Action 4 versus GoPro 12 thing planned for yeah, like a month and a half and then we never got around yep, to it? that's right. And yeah. here we are. Whoops. And then uh, just recently, just a few days ago as we record this, the Insta360 Ace Pro was announced and that camera looks exactly like a GoPro. Doesn't it? Yeah. It seems like it's the best of all the worlds. Just as a aside here, when we never did the Osmo Action 4 versus the GoPro 12 and if I, if I was going to recap that really quickly, and I don't know if I can remember everything about these action cams, it's like sport watches where you learn everything you need to the one time you buy them and then you just try not to pay attention to it because it's too much. Yep. Because it's like they're all just cell phone sensors or whatever. It was like the GoPro has a smaller sensor, is worse in low light, but has arguably, arguably better color, even though it and the DJI are both 10-bit. It has the 5.3K tall resolution screen. Mm-hmm. So you can do the, you know, you can turn the GoPro 360 degrees and the image will stay completely stable because yep. it has a big enough center area at a high enough resolution. So like it has got the tall sensor, maybe better color, and then it's got like GoPro specific features like syncing GoPros together and whatever. Yeah. And then the Osmo has going for it in that it's a bigger sensor. So you get better low light, cleaner image. And that did seem to prove out in some of the videos. Right, but it's maybe worse at color and white balance and that sort of thing. Yeah, that was the impression I had. And then that's basically it, right? It's like the GoPro's maybe better at stable. It's going to be better at stabilization. And so it's like, do you want better image quality or do you want better like action cam yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. And then now the Insta360 Ace Pro coming into this market, probably like similar price point. Yeah, I think it's around the same price. They have an Ace and an Ace Pro. Oh, I didn't realize that they had two. Yeah, the Ace is uh, a smaller sensor and is worse in some other ways. And I think the Ace Pro is like 380, or sorry, the regular Ace is 380, and I think the Ace Pro is 450, which puts it right in range with the other two. All right, so what's what's the deal with this Ace? I mean, like, we're getting super off topic here, but, like, what's the deal with this Ace Pro? Like, why... 
you know, it's coming into a fairly crowded market. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of camera companies and camera brands, and it's all very exciting. But is there room for a third action cam in here? Well, I mean, they even they even make the 360. Like <laughs> that's basically it's the same form factor, but the thing pops out. Like how is this better? Yeah, that's what I wondered too. And I mean, this thing looks just like a GoPro. Like they clearly, you know, are, are basically taking cues from the GoPro on it. It, it seems like their headlining feature for it is that it has a flippy screen. So the entire back screen flips up uh, so that you can see it from the front. Didn't GoPro used to do that? Or was it that the screen could remove and you could mount one to the top? They, I know they had a thing where you could add on a second screen to the top. And then the newer ones have like a little tiny postage stamp screen right. on the yeah, front. Yeah, they got rid of that and they're like, here's a yeah. front screen also. Yeah, and so the, the main difference with this one is that that back screen is much bigger. And so you can see what you're doing better. You know, it also gives you the advantage that like if you're trying to put it in a weird spot, maybe you can flip it like halfway up and see from above. Like, so. Yeah, I do like the concept of this is now mounted to handlebars or something. Yeah. And you can like look down and see it. That's cool. Yep. It seems to me that in 12 generations of action cam, GoPro would have considered to do this at some point, And I assume that they didn't because hinges. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, a durability concern. It, the The design of what they've done looks very similar to the Go 3's uh, case. Yes, it does. And it's very similar. Yeah, so they've got a little bit of experience with this already, but I'm curious to see how that's going to hold up. Yeah, but like the Go 3, the Go 3, which you have, the Insta360 Go 3, what, the pill is waterproof or whatever. Yeah, you, can and the sw- case, you can swallow it. And the don't, case is not. Don't swallow it. Uh, but the case isn't. Yeah, you're not going to chuck the case into a pool or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully they, I mean, this is this is now the action cam, right? Like, yeah. you're going to be able to take that hinge underwater? We'll you're see. Gonna be able to take it, I'm not worried about the water. Why are you going to be able to take it to the desert? Mm-hmm. How about when you get sick grit in there and start? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. That's an open question. But otherwise, on features, looks pretty good. It has the same uh, 1 over 1.3 inch sensor size as the Osmo Action 4. So it should be better in low light than than uh, the GoPro. Right. Probably similar to the Osmo. Mm-hmm. It has the highest max resolution out of any of these because it can record up to 8K at 24 frames per second. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that it was it was an 8K resolution. So one of like the advertised features here is that you, know, you can punch into a 4K. And most mm-hmm. of these cameras will do that of like... You know, how how wide are you recording on the on the sense on the lens? Because they'll punch into like you know hyper view or wide or ultra hyper view or whatever they call it, uh, and then you can kind of punch in yeah. a little bit. But this one will let you punch into two x and get a one to one pixel mm-hmm. as far as you know a two x essentially a two x zoom, but you still get a true four K. Yeah, even it's just not oversampled. Yep, yep. The max video bitrate is 170 megabits per second. Okay. And I couldn't find that spec for GoPro, but the Osmo Action was 130. Yeah, that's kind of where DJI's sits for these yeah. sort of things. So it's a little, little, little bit Osmo better, maybe a better codec. And it's got some cool features. So one is that you can pause or cancel recordings. Uh, so like you can pause a recording and then continue it later if you want. Or if you start recording something and then like, you know, you miss your trick or something, you can cancel it rather than saving that to the card. When you take, say trick, you mean like if you're playing a trick-taking card game. Uh, obviously, and yeah. And you didn't get the trick, then you can like I mean, record what, it again. What do you use your action camera for? Of course. <laughs> I mean, the same thing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then here's here's one other cool feature I want to mention. You can pair this camera with a Garmin or Apple Watch and get it to like overlay GPS or speed or whatever information onto your video. I think that's amazing. Yeah. 
pretty cool. When I saw that feature, I was like, shoot, I just bought a new Garmin and now I need this camera. Yep. <laughs> it, it just, I'm trying to think of how to approach this, but if you compare this to the GoPro 12, the features on this thing to me are way more impressive than the GoPro 12 because the GoPro 12 looks like they took the 11 and barely changed it. It's like they added the time code sync for multiple GoPros, which, okay, that's cool. Um, but it just doesn't, it feels like more of the same thing. And this seems like it does so many other cool features. It's got, you know, a bigger sensor, higher resolution, flippy screen, like it in a lot of ways that seems better. And it just feels like GoPro is just kind of coasting. It's, but it's always felt like GoPro has still been the premier action camera and not just because of the brand name. It's like, it seems like their colors are a little bit better their stabilization's a little bit better. And it's it's always just seemed like, you know, you've got all these different options. You can get the DJI Osmo action or you can get a Insta360, whatever camera. But it seems like if what you're after is pure image quality or the best stabilization, it's been hard to beat GoPro. And I'm really curious when we're going to get to a point where that's not the case. And I don't know if that's this camera or if we're not quite there yet. Um, but at this point, that's the only reason I would still get a GoPro is because, you know, if you want like the absolute best quality, that has still been what you have to do, but they're just being left behind so much by these features. Well, it seems like even just pure image quality as far as noise, maybe they're not. This action cam seems to be better. We've been talking about this thing for like 10 minutes, Daniel, and you haven't even said the word AI, <laughs> which <laughs> felt like leaving that out. <laughs> The premier feature. <laughs> There's a lot of AI going on, isn't there? Uh, yep, yep, just a little bit. It's the Insta360 Ace Pro. I agree. It's like if you're looking for a feature-rich action camera that can do more things, it's a clear win over the GoPro 12. Mm -hmm. But the GoPro 12 has that name brand recognition, and maybe you're you you're more likely to trust it. Of like, I'm going to rig this thing to the sway bar of a dually and get some footage. I'll, I trust that I'm going to like be able to get that. It's not going to overheat. It's going to, if it gets hit, hits by a rock or something, it's not going to break. And like GoPro, right? And with something like an Insta360 Ace Pro is, you know, is, is that flippy screen going to, you know, get damaged whenever I drop it in the dunes when I'm doing, you know, boogie boarding at White Sands or something? If nothing else, they're less proven. Right, sure. Or like, if you if you're skiing with it, if you get snow into it, is, is it going to hold up? And we don't. I assume that it would. Insta three sixty has made good stuff, and but right, un unproven. But like, if you're not looking for, you know, doing serious action things, like you're not, you know, you don't need something that is going to handle the rough terrain of mountain biking down a thing, or you don't, you're not doing really really extreme stuff that's high risk of damage and you're more looking for maybe something that can do vloggy things but then also can do some you know less crazy action things maybe the features for the ace pro make it better like you can set the thing out in front of you and you know wave your hand and it'll start recording yeah you know you don't have to press the button and it has all the little extra record features and like it's the autofocus is better it can do the you know, we can do the autofocus. Like these things aren't really focusing, but 
the AI whatever is is doing more like scene recognition detection mm-hmm. stuff to like get your white balance more accurate. And so like it's taking that extra bigger sensor and pushing the image quality just a little bit more. So like maybe you're going to get better footage and you can see yourself because you have a bigger flippy screen. And so it seems like for all the non GoPro things you're going to do with your action cam, <laughs> maybe you get maybe the Insta 360 is better. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what's interesting to me to look at is like, you know, because I, I want something that I can use as an extra angle, you know, for shooting a music video or just something that, you know, oh, we're going to shoot a short film and we need a shot, you know, like from the side of a car or something, you know, like you need like little like crash cam type things. And that's that's where I get curious, whether something like this or the Osmo Pocket, you know, whether cameras like that are better than GoPro at this point. I think that depending upon your use case there is a better something for every use case compared to a GoPro, but the GoPro GoPro is still a good default. Mm-hmm. Like the Insta 360s have that magnetic clip base type thing where it'll just like snap into place on the base and like it's locked in until you press the thing. It's super easy. Yeah. With the GoPro, you're still like screwing a quarter 20 into a thing. And then now it's like blocking the battery door because you put the screw clamp on backwards and you gotta like turn it around and you're like rigging it up for 10 minutes versus the, you know, the, Insta360 version, maybe you just like magnetized it to your car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the Insta360 Go where it's like, here's really good fish angle wide stuff and like the tiniest camera. And you can like magnetize it to your shirt or whatever and it can get into places that you can't put a GoPro. And it's like there's different, it seems like there's a better version for all the very specific applications. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. I, we haven't seen reviews on the Ace Pro yet, or at least I haven't. Um, I've seen some stuff on the Osmo Pocket 3. I mean, you know, I have a feeling like the Insta360 thing is going to be a good camera. But, you know, I think GoPro really has their brand recognition going for it and just trust over all this time, you know, people using them. But I don't know. I I, I like to see this competition. I like to see people uh, pushing the limits of that. And I think if GoPro hasn't already been overtaken, they're going to be if they don't uh, really start innovating. Yeah, it sure seems that way. It's GoPro, I think, did a lot better whenever they refocus their product line, when they stopped trying to make drones and they yeah. were like, let's make let's make good action cameras. And then they came out with like the Hero 10 or 11, I forget which one it was. And it was like, wow, GoPro's, GoPro's doing it again. Here we go. And then they kind of sat back on their heels again when they came out with the 12. And it's a it is a competitive market. Yeah, I mean you got DJI, you have Insta three sixty out here just making all kinds of different stuff, and like GoPro makes the GoPro, and they don't make you know Insta three sixty has like the three sixty cams and the Go and the Action and like all of these different kinds of cameras, and it's like they're gonna sell they could they could sell all of them because they all have different different applications, versus your GoPro is like just the one, and if you're doing a lot of different angle stuff of like. I need the 360 for this thing, so I'm going to strap it to a, a model rocket. And then I need the Osmo for this kind of thing because I need to do these time lapses. And then now I have the Ace Pro because whatever, it's like maybe you just live in that ecosystem. I, I know I mixed up DJI and uh, Insta360, but maybe you're like, I'm used to working with Insta360 footage, so now when I need a new action cam, I'm just going to buy the Ace Pro instead of a GoPro. Yeah. So I'm not mixing brands and mixing accessories, and I can use it all together. Mm-hmm. GoPro just doesn't have that. They have, like, there's tons of GoPro accessories. But, like, 
they don't have multiple different kind of cameras. They just have like the one camera. Right. I think this segment's getting really interesting though. And it's kind of funny to think of how the, there's a bit of a contrast here between this and drones where I feel like drones got to a point where they were all kind of about the same and it doesn't feel like there's huge improvements every time in this sort of like small action camera, mobile camera space. It feels like we are still getting, you know, reasonable improvements year over year on all this stuff. And I mean, to me, it just seems like the capabilities of these small cameras is advancing a lot faster than like, let's say our screen resolutions are, you know, most people still have a 4k TV the way they did five years ago. And I mean, even though you can buy like higher resolution stuff now, like it's like, there's a standard for what makes for good watchable footage. And that hasn't really moved that much in the past few years, but we're seeing all these little cameras like, you know, GoPros and the iPhone camera and all that we're seeing those get better and better. And I just think it's cool because we're getting to a point where, you know, you don't need this big, heavy mirrorless camera setup to get something that people think is good footage. You can do it with your phone or you can do it with a GoPro or, uh, you know, an Insta 360 camera. Like you have all these choices now to get that stuff. And I wonder if we're going to get to the point where those cameras are, you know, effectively indistinguishable from bigger stuff. Not, not, not saying that the quality will actually match, but like, I think they're already getting good enough that you can use them to get good footage and you know, you're not necessarily like giving much up by not carrying around a big camera. I don't I don't think we're ever gonna get there. I think that these while these action cameras are as far as sensor size, maybe slightly one step up from phone cameras, they're still basically phone sensors. And if anything is gonna improve for that sensor size category first, it's gonna be the phones. And that we're going to keep seeing all of the computational videography and photography stuff push and push and push and push. And the phone is going to move to replace the mirrorless camera, the DSLR for more and more applications before something like this is. And like you, then you're not carrying around a separate thing. You always have your phone with you. I think where these action cams are going to continue to push is like the image quality is going to be equivalent to your primary camera, which is probably your phone, but they're going to be more, usable for specialty applications where you're sure. like, you you don't want to break your phone or you need a second angle and now it's it's going to be just as good but more interesting because you can do more things with them yeah yeah i guess that's where they're they're definitely always going to win in terms of like form factor right that's where i mean that's where they have to differentiate yeah because i think that the phone's always going to be a mountain image quality yeah at least at least in you know in current generation phones i was looking up that new Ace Pro, and it's like five hundred fifty bucks. Oh, really? I didn't think it was that high. I thought it's, it was four fifty. It's expensive, okay. and the I think you can get the I think three seventy nine or something like that is the regular Ace. Yeah, but that one has like a half inch sensor. Right, it's way smaller. Uh, it's more. I think that the Ace Pro is positioning itself as like a Pro huh, version above your GoPros and your and your DJI Osmo because the GoPro twelve right now is three fifty on sale. I think it's like four hundred not on sale. Wow. And that's the, a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then the DJI Osmo four is 400. Yeah. And so you're, you're paying, you know, $150, $180, $200 more mm-hmm. to get into the Insta 360 Ace Pro. Yeah. I must've missed that. I didn't realize it was that much more expensive. Yeah. So uh, at that price, it does become a little less disposable, mm-hmm. I think. And which based upon the features and potential of the fragility of that flippy screen 
I would think that if you're looking for something that you're going to break, maybe you still go with the GoPro. Yeah. Or the uh, DJ Osmo. No. <laughs> <laughs> she can still go with the GoPro. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's an interesting market now. It is. A lot of choices. Definitely interesting. I, I like seeing competition here. Yeah. I do wonder like, if given the choice, would you still go Insta360 Go? Or would you go with something like an Ace? I'm not really inclined to consider the, the regular Ace. I think the Ace Pro would be, you know, because if I want something like this, I want the best image quality I can get. But I don't know. I mean, I think that the Go 3 has a different set of use cases than these cameras because it can be so small. So I don't regret getting it, especially for like using on a drone. I, I can I can use the Go 3 on a drone much more easily than I can use any of those bigger ones just because it's so much smaller and lighter. And I, I haven't really had the chance to do it yet, but I'm still interested in the idea of putting it like on my shirt while I walk around somewhere or whatever sure. and like getting, you know, that kind of, you know, like lifestyle perspective type thing. I think there's some cool potential there. Uh, so I definitely don't regret it, but I do think that some of these other cameras are interesting, and especially if you're doing something like, you know, I want to clamp this to a drum stand and get like a cool angle, you know, for a video. I think a GoPro or something like this Ace Pro, you know, maybe better choices for that. I feel like I should have borrowed your Insta360 Go on my last trip. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't think about that. We yeah, probably should probably have. Probably got some really fun stuff. Yeah. That would have been interesting. One thing we didn't mention, which I thought of whenever you're talking about the, the 360 Go, is like you can you can take the camera away from the monitor. On the Go, yeah. And then watch the monitor. Mm-hmm. The Ace Pro has an accessory that does that. Oh, intro, like a, an extra screen. They have or a little wireless screen that you can use to control the camera and view the feed. That's super using cool. The same technology, mm-hmm. I assume. And you can get a watch band for it. <laughs> Fancy. So then you can like be doing your action stuff mounted like over here outside of your, your car, your plane, or whatever. I don't know. And then you just look at your wrist. That, you got the video feed right there. That is a really cool feature, and that's something I like about the Go 3, because sometimes when you mount one of those cameras, you're not in a good position to actually look at the screen and nope. see it, or or maybe you want to mount it and then start your recording later. Yeah. And you can do that stuff really easy on the Go 3. Now, I know like GoPro, for example, you know has a phone app you can use, sure. but those apps always seem so sketchy, and it seems like it doesn't always connect, and, and the whole experience is just not very, not very reliable. No. And I would rather have a dedicated accessory. So it is cool if they offer that for this. It's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah. And and that concludes our segment on the Osmo Pocket 3. <laughs> <laughs> we we said we needed to talk about it, and we ended up talking about every other camera instead. Uh, but, gee, you know. I just, the Osmo Pockets have never appealed to me. I can and tell. I think they're cool, but I just, I have no, I have no use for one. Yeah. I can't, I, I, when I think about what, oh, what's a cool thing I could do with this? I would rather like use an actual camera. I would use my phone or get a get an action cam to do it. Yep. I mean, it's, it's I think it's still technically an action cam, but like yeah, you, you know you know what I mean. The traditional action camera. Yep. Well, you can just stay over there with your film camera, and I'll get one of these Osmo Pocket Threes, and we'll both be happy with something that the other doesn't understand. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us, and if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com and you can find us on Twitter at Camera Gear Pod. We'll be back with more next week.